0: Welcome to the Blazers Edge Podcast. I'm Tara, and today Joe is out, but I have two special guests that I can't wait to talk to today. First, we have friend of the show, sports reporter for the Oregon Sports Beat, and Blazers Edge contributor, Ashley Williams. Hi, Ashley. How are you today?
1: I'm good. How are you guys?
0: We are hanging in there. We're in the middle of a windstorm. Do you two have wind blowing all around? yes oh yeah it's terrible well let me introduce our second guest today we have with us college student and play-by-play high school announcer sean phillipson sean welcome to the show
2: thank you sarah glad to be a part of your podcast
0: glad to have you and like i said with the wind swirling all around us we could lose power at any moment but we will press forward and see how it goes uh, last night, the Trailblazers uh, beat the Timberwolves in a come-from-behind game, which gave them a 1.5 advantage over the Denver Nuggets, so we are still holding on to the eighth spot. Sean and Ashley, I think you were both at the game last night. I watched it from the comfort of my rocking chair at home. How was the atmosphere last night? That was, that was an interesting game because, boy, the first half of that was rough. Sean, what did you what did it feel like in the arena last night?
2: Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was rough in that first half or three quarters, however you want to put it in there. But um yeah, the Blazers were, looked off. They looked a little confused, disorganized, the floor spacing wasn't there. And early on, uh Myers Leonard, he had some open jump shots from the perimeter but were missed and Hearing the fans boo him, uh, kind of a no surprise when uh, he's having this kind of a season.
0: I was pretty shocked. I'm always shocked when I hear booing, and uh, that was uh, no exception. Ashley, did you hear the booing when Myers Leonard was missing shots? It, um,
1: you guys, you guys slightly sound like robots. So I'm trying. <laughs> I know that it's my service because this storm. Um, I actually was late to the game, like half half time late um, because I'm covering the Nike Hoop Summit this week. So I had to get a story done. Oh, so you didn't have so to watch I was the first the half. Score.
0: <laughs> you came to the right half. Right, right.
1: So I was checking the score and they were down and I was like, Oh, should I even go? Um, and then we got there and then it was like a complete turnaround. Alan had such a great night. I'm really proud of
0: yeah, that that was fantastic. But so it sounds like you were um, by the time you got there. Uh, I don't think Myers Leonard even got in the game much um, for the for the second half. So you probably didn't hear any of the uh, crowd booing him. What do you think about when crowds boo their own players, Sean?
2: Well, what... yeah, let me let me get in with this. <laughs> well. Like I said, it's a no surprise with how Myers Leonard is producing right now just because you're hearing the boos, and when you hear that, bad things happen. Uh, So granted that, I mean, he's averaging five points per game, three rebounds. He's not as efficient, much less consistent, that um, Blazer fans wanted to see from him. Uh, So again, once that happens, you're going to get some boos your way. Uh, it happens to any team in the in the NBA, quite honestly. It happens.
0: I just I what I really think, and maybe I just have rosy glasses on, but what I think <laughs> often what I think often happens in that case is that people are watching in the arena or they're watching at home, and you know somebody that you really want to hit a shot misses the shot, and you just kind of groan, and it everybody just kind of comes out sp- spontaneously with this disappointed boo, but they're not like at first actively booing somebody. It's just a whole bunch of people had the same reaction at the same time, and it ends up sounding like the whole crowd or you know, it never really sounded to me like the whole crowd, but it suddenly sounds like, you know, uh, people's disappointment suddenly sounds like pointed booing. And so did you get a fee? I wasn't in the arena. Did you get the feeling that it was a case of like people were mad at Myers Leonard and they were like, stop or they were just like, oh, that was so disappointing because it, it seemed that it sort of tapered off not long after it started as well. So maybe people like pulled back and were like, whoa, maybe we shouldn't be doing this.
2: Yeah, I agree with you, Terry. Yeah, the first part you said about the, uh, you know, at stop at the jump shots, Myers, that type of that type of vibe. Where I was sitting, um, yeah, it, it was that kind of night for the fans. They just did not want to see him play on the court, much less shoot. Granted, his numbers didn't really open up a lot, but he did some good things. He did set some good screens. He did. Uh, make a jump shot in the second half, so that got the Blazers, you know, and their fans a little excited because it's like finally mm-hmm. we needed this sooner, and we we're able to pull through.
0: Yeah, one thing he's, I think, always been able to do at least this year is he has been able to set those screens, and he's been able to not only set one screen at a time, but he he seems to have the ability to set a series of screens. Um, Yes. When Nurkic came in, Nurkic really took on a lot of that because, of course, he also took a lot of the minutes. But it seems to me with... um, Nurkic out Dame seems to be uh, immediately well very quickly started uh struggling with his shooting and I'm wondering if the part of the struggle with the shooting is that um he's lost Nurkic's screens Myers Leonard minutes have gone down and he hasn't been able to set as effective screens for Dame and maybe that has contributed to um Dame's shooting slump is that a theory that you know has any water or is way off base or what do you think
2: I think it it's that kind of theory if if Myers has a good game setting screens and getting the proper spacing for Lillard or CJ for that matter, or even Alan Crabb, uh, then there's gonna be good games. And matter of fact, I really feel like there should be a stat line for screen set uh, pick set for Leonard uh, just because uh, he is one of those guys that can do it. But if he comes off the wrong way or the wrong kind of spacing that uh, Terry Stotts wants, then you're going to see the production go down, not just for Myers Leonard, but all the perimeter players for the Blazers.
0: Yeah, and I I really do think that um I I think that that might have something to do with CJ and Dame and whether or not it's they just don't have quite as much space or they can't get into quite the same position as they were able to get in you know ten games ago um, I'm hoping hoping that's something I, I'm just I guess what I'm saying is I'm not sure it's a shooting slump so much as a positioning. Uh, situation that they need to work out um you know in practice and like now we're at the part of time where they don't get practice it's just like play rest play rest play rest so i hope that they can they can work it out so at the beginning of or at the end of the third quarter last night i was watching and i looked at the box score at that time cj was 8 for 17 dame was 5 for 17 and crab was four for five so I noticed that and tweeted out, I'm not the coach, but maybe try and get Crab the ball some in the fourth. And it, it sounds like that was not a uh, outrageous idea. And it sounds like that was something that everybody was like, yes, Crab is shooting. He's going to let's get him the ball. And oh, my gosh, was that exciting or what?
2: It was exciting. It was nice to see him bust out big time. He had, what, 25 points, eight threes in the game, plus 13 And that's coming from, I feel, the true six-man, if not the very best, in the Blazers' bench right now. Don't forget, Evan Turner played a terrific game off the bench as well. He has some big shots in the game as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Blazers went, what, uh, eight deep in the bench. And it worked very well to their liking.
0: You mean they had an eight-man rotation?
2: Yeah, Yeah, eight-man rotation. They kept it
0: pretty tight last night.
2: Yeah, Crabb getting most of the, the bench minutes with 32. But overall, I thought the Blazers looked pretty good in in the game, especially in that fourth quarter where they clamped down on Minnesota, not allowing Carl Anthony Towns or Wiggins to start heating up, which in that first half, it was just a flat-out
0: oh show. first
2: half. Yeah, he had a great game individually, uh, but unfortunately, Blazers came out on top and got the W.
0: Every time I look at the screen, I just saw these bright green shoes, and I was just like, I am so tired of looking at those bright green shoes that Andrew Wiggins wears. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to dream about them for the next month and a half.
2: I know. I mean, he's not a Boston Celtic number one. I guess it's part of his fashion statement or something.
0: I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure that there is a story behind it, but I don't remember what it is because I thought about it the last time we played them. I was like, why is he wearing green shoes? Because it was right around when the Ducks were in the final four, and I was like, oh, is he a Duck? Yes. I like, I personally, I like the shoes. They just, they just draw my eye and I can't look at anything else. Maybe he's doing that on purpose, trying to distract everybody.
1: I mean, I was a little distracted. It worked.
0: <laughs> so, um, a question, uh, you brought up that, uh, uh, Sean, that Crabb has been playing a nice six man role this year. And that kind of brings up one of my question is who is the six man on this team? Because we have some, we have several guys, I think who could, you know, we, between Crabb and Turner. And then when when um, uh, Mo comes off the bench, he's critical. So who do you think should be our sixth man of the year?
2: Well, I don't think there's any question. I think Alan Crabb should be the man's sixth man for the Trail Blazers this year. Granted, yes, Blazers overpaid him a little bit. I think he's worth every cent of it. Yes, he had some early holes early in the year, just trying to find his groove, playing with Turner, who I thought early on was going to be the sixth man, because he can play both ends of the floor pretty well. A better defender than Crabb, but I feel for more of an offensive threat, being able to hit the three consistently, Crabb has shown that he is not afraid to take shots, and I'm hoping for next year and I'm just saying for the future that he continues to improve and not hesitate. He's probably the only guy off the bench that doesn't hesitate on a shot. He'll take it and make it nine times out of 10.
0: Yeah. Nine times out of 10, mm, <laughs> but a lot. definitely. You get my point. <laughs> yeah. But I agree. I would say he doesn't hesitate nine times out of 10, but I I think it's important what you bring up about hesitation, because here's what I think I've seen happening with the team this year is when they come out and they start right off and get immediately either behind or confused or the defense doesn't click right from the beginning of the game, I find that makes them hesitate on offense. And I have no statistics to back that up, nothing to prove that. It's just something that I have um, picked up on in my own mind throughout the year that if they aren't clicking immediately on defense, it makes them start to hesitate on offense where – they'll pass up shots. They'll, they'll make the extra pass, but, and I, and and I know sometimes it's important to take the extra pass, but I also know that sometimes you have somebody who can hit shots, <laughs> but he passes right. it to somebody else who's not in, in a great position. What do you think about that theory?
2: I agree with you on that theory, Tara. Uh, one of the key uh, guys that often hesitates one too many times and, God bless Mike Rice if he was still around with us because I know he would cringe uh, so much. But Myers Leonard, I mean, Mm -hmm. I get it that the Blazers are an unselfish team. That's their identity when they're passing the ball. They want to make the right pass. But you need to be able to be a little selfish to make the open shot. If there's somebody within 5 or 10 feet of you, you got to shoot. Don't pass it up to Lillard or McCollum. You shoot the ball. And that's what gets me with the Trailblazers in-game some occasions. The inconsistency, the, the hesitation, uh, it, it's not good. And that gets Terry Stotts, the head coach, uh, upset. The, 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 the lack of focus, the mentality of this team, it's so up and down. It's so streaky that it's not going through a straight line. It's not consistent.
0: Definitely feels like a roller coaster in a lot of ways. Yes. Uh, Ashley, six man for the Blazers. Who do you think? Do you agree that it's Alan Crabb? I can agree that it's Alan. Um,
1: If there is anyone that I would throw in there to maybe toss it up, I could kind of argue Mo. Mm -hmm. But at this point, um, I think it's okay to say that it's Alan as well.
0: You know, I, I actually lean towards Mo in some ways as well, and here's why. I think that one of the things that gets them back in focus and makes them stop hesitating and gives them the confidence they need for their offense to come back is somebody who comes in with just pure hustle on defense. And then I think what happens a lot is, um, again, they uh, they get – uh, they get them they get in their heads when their defense doesn't come out strong that affects their offense and then it takes somebody to come in and go okay i am going to hustle 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 and get this team back in it and i think that's often mo whether or not it's a key rebound whether or not it's a steal i think his effort often when he enters the game uh, is one of the often will turn the tide of the Blazers, like not being so worried about trying to focus anymore because suddenly they get dialed in and they're no longer thinking they're just reacting in their and they're playing. So, it, um, but I don't, I think that crab comes in and when he's on, he gives them instant offense and that's great. But I think I, in my book I would vote for Mo just because of that extra little bit of, of effort that's contagious when he comes in sometimes.
2: I'll also add in there, yeah. Tara, uh, for Mo Harkless. Yes, you bring up very good points with him. He he's also, as you're saying, he's that hustle guy. He comes and plays off the bench, or you can start him. Right. It does not matter how you put him in; he can just fit, mm-hmm. and he fits with the team's core, its values very well. That way, you don't have the indecisiveness that this team has, and he can Harkless can just put it on the floor, take it to the basket, and occasionally make the outside shot.
0: Yeah, and you bring up a good point that, especially with this team, it's kind of hard to identify a six-man just because our rotation has been so different during different times of the year. And, you know, if you look at six-man in terms of minutes played rather than who actually starts, that could be another way to look at it. Because somebody like Noah Vonley, he clearly starts. He still doesn't play, um, you know, as many minutes as the rest of the starters. Right. He, He as well. Like last night, I thought in last night's game against the Timberwolves, it was Noah going to the floor. That's a lot of a go- lot of man to jump to the floor to be hustling after plays. And I thought it was his play. Kind of, I think it was either end of the third or at the beginning of the fourth that really brought everybody back into focus. And we're like, okay, we can do this. We can uh, we can win this. So I thought I thought Le had a good um, was that spark for them last night.
2: Le had a a lob yeah. to the basket in that first. On that first play, which really got the crowd going a little bit.
0: Oh, the very first play of the game. Yeah, I, I missed that because I was watching that TNT thing, and we were watching free throws for like 15 minutes before they
2: switched <laughs> it over.
0: But I did see it in yeah. the replay, and that that did look awesome. Okay, I thought last night's game was kind of a mirror of the season in terms of getting off to a rough start. Um, kind of searching for identity. What are we doing in this game? How are we going to play? And then um, putting it all together uh, at the end and then uh, finally uh, looking like we're clicking for the most part at the end. So we're just, unbelievably, we are just a couple games away from the end of the regular season. Did this season seem long or short to you two?
2: Uh, It kind of felt, a little long. I don't know why I feel that way about it, but it just did. Uh, just because with everything that's going around in the in the league, there's nothing that's really bringing the extra pizzazz, that extra flair to make it, you know, run straight through through the season and all. Um, it just felt very slow. Nothing really popping out.
1: How about you, Ashley? Yeah, I think that it started off. Um, going by fast typically how it does then it kind of lagged for me like it was like you know you never want basketball season to end but it was kind of oh another game another game and then of course now what we have a couple more games left so it flew by at this point but I think that it had a long pause in the middle for me.
0: Right, I think to me that long pause was when the Blazers were really struggling. That made the that <laughs> that middle part of the season, December, January, that seemed like yeah. pretty long. And it also seemed like there was a lot of time off in between games and it just it just seemed like um, oh this uh, this season we got you know we got plenty of time to get it back together let's let's do this okay maybe not this game next game and then the next game would happen and be like okay maybe not this game maybe next time <laughs> next game and that just seemed to drag it out a little bit in the middle but then of course we start hitting on all cylinders we get Nurkic things change I finally realized what a rim protecting center looks like because I could never picture it in my own mind because I hadn't seen one and then of course things pick up steam, Blazers are doing great, and now that Nurkic is out, it seems like it's going by even faster, and everything is every moment is, is more important. Now, when you looked at what you thought about the Blazers at the beginning of the season versus the end of the season, what surprised y'all the most?
2: Ashley, you can go first on this.
0: Um,
1: I don't think it surprised
0: me that much, but
1: I could just see that it surprised a lot of people how hard they still try. Because mm. um, a lot of people will tell them, you know... Blazers are terrible. They're not going to make the playoffs. Why would they even try? They're going to lose in the first round. But you never see them truly give up. And you haven't seen anyone turn their backs on each other. Or, you know, you don't hear about crazy fights in the locker room or drama within the team. So I think it might have surprised a lot of people that they still care. Um, And it surprised me just because I know that's how the ship is run. I don't know. That's how, like, the leaders on the team, that's how they are. So, I don't think I was really surprised about anything.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's a really great observation though because it could have happened at any time. Like according to the regular narrative of the NBA, you know, there was always that opportunity could have come that, you know, they have the players only meeting and they air the airing of the grievances or whatever, but it that right. that never came out like that. You know, it just was like we don't know right. what's wrong, we're going to just keep playing through it.
2: Absolutely. Uh, For for me, earlier in preseason, I literally thought this team was going to be really good. With Evan Turner because of his defense and good shooting, I thought this team would just click from game one. But we know it didn't turn out to be that way. And they have somewhat regressed. And I think we need to take that into consideration. They have some losing streaks during the year. Um, And there were some heartbreakers that they probably should have won and did not win. But here they are, Blazers in eighth place still, a game and a half ahead of Denver. And possibly, who knows, if Grizzlies lose out, they could get that seventh seed. But it's going to take a lot of luck to do that. But overall, (laughs) Blazers... It's a little indecisive. I'm very surprised with what they've done, but at the same time, time, I'm not Mm -hmm. because of where we're at right now. But there's not been one time this year that I would say the Blazers would be quitters. Mm -hmm. Yes, they have lack of inconsistency, um, but they don't quit. And that's what I admire greatly of the Blazers.
0: So what about uh, individual players? Were were there any individual players that surprised you all this year?
2: Uh, yes, I, I'll I'll go for this one. Um, I'm going to put it on the book with the acquire of Yusuf Nurkic, uh, just because I didn't know what he would good, what he was going to bring. He was ba- basically to me a prospect coming from the Mason Plumlee trade that shipped him to Denver, and uh, I didn't know how well he would play. Uh, I tuned in to the last bit of the overtime game. I think it was against Philadelphia. And he had a big-time game, and seeing the highlights of what uh, Nurkic did, uh, it mind-boggled me. I mean, I feel that man has really surprised a lot of people and has earned himself a lot of respect and love from the Trailblazers fans and and the organization.
0: Yeah, I like how you put it. That uh, you really looked at him as a prospect. That's a um, I, that that hits the nail on the head of how I was thinking of him. I thought he was, you know, I thought the the you know the the draft pick was awesome, and that this guy had some potential. But I yes. wasn't prepared to see the immediate impact that that he had on on the team. How about you, Ashley? A player yeah. that surprised you this year?
1: Yeah, I would say. I mean, I know it's pretty late just because we got him so late, but Nurkic he made like a immediate impact and. I was surprised just because, you know, you never know what you're going to get. You don't know what to expect, especially with such, even a player like him, he's young. um, You don't really have much on him. So for him to come to Portland and just, like, be so happy but hungry to play. And, I mean, like, obviously, Rip City fans, they love Blazers. They embrace everybody. Um, They give everyone a chance. So I think that was really good for him because I think that's all he needed. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. All he needed was was the chance and the minutes and a place where he could get like a fresh start.
1: And the support and the support, oh, I right. think. Okay. You know, from not only from his from his teammates, from the organization, but from the fans. I mean, it does matter to them.
2: Keep in mind that Nurkic was starting early for Denver this year until he was delegated to the bench uh as Nikola Jokic, mm-hmm. who to all people yeah. has had a great year all the way around. Um, Nurgish needed to come uh, to a different team and Portland was the best yeah. place. And while some fans were a bit salty, if I'm appropriate with that, to see Plumley go, I think it was the best move Neil O'Shea did this year um, to hopefully have Portland being in contention for a postseason berth. Without that trade, Portland would be bottom feeders in the Western Conference, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I really want to know if, uh, I mean, and there's no way of knowing, but I really want to know if Uh, the front office was expecting the immediate impact, like, uh, that that Nurkic, I mean, obviously, they thought that they were going to get a good player. But I wonder if they were like sitting there going, I told you so (laughs) to all the fans. Because yeah, he really did make it. And I think uh, uh, to your point, Ashley, about the the fans embracing him. Yeah, I see. I see what you mean. You know, when someone kind of falls out of favor, you know, it's, it's like it's hard to get it back and sometimes just a change of scenery is what you need and we were there to be like hey we know you know things didn't work out yeah things weren't going great in denver so we are going to give you everything we got we're going to put everything we got behind you to give you all the all the um all the faith behind you that, that we can. And also coming to a team with somebody like Damian Lord on it which I think was really great for him because one of the things about Denver, I think there's a lot of potential at Denver, but they really, I don't really feel like they have an identity yet. And We have a really strong identity as, you know, a team that's built around CJ and Dame. Dame is the leader. You know, he's like the, um, you know, he's the guy on the team. But not only is he the player, but he's also, you know, the person who provides that extra moral support, who provides grounding, who's there for anybody for anything. And I think that was a really beneficial part of the move for uh, Nurkic as well. I would be totally remiss, though, if I didn't talk about my player who was the total surprise and everyone (laughs) thinks that this is an odd choice. But for me, Aminu has just been one of my favorite parts about this year because I realized this. I love chaos and, and Aminu is chaotic, but like not necessarily in a bad way. But when he gets the ball, nobody knows what is going to happen except for him and he just goes with confidence back and forth dribbling that ball all over the place and he he I just love watching him and I every time the ball goes down for him I'm so excited because people just don't think it's going to happen and so he's made it a really fun thing to watch and I really do think and this sounds like it's tongue-in-cheek but I partly mean it I really do think the other teams don't know what's going to happen either and so they don't quite know how to um how to defend him and then when it comes to defense he's had some really exceptional uh blocks steals things that were timed and again those momentum changers that, that that get people going so i've um come to enjoy amina this year in a way that i was not expecting
2: I don't see any problem with Aminu. I mean, given the fact that he's got a unorthodox jump shot
0: <laughs> <To say the laughs> with, least. The
2: high, with a high arcing <laughs> motion, it's like you hope in slow-mo it does go in. And uh, he's been making the most of his opportunities all season, whether starting or coming off the bench.
0: Playing center.
2: He, he, he's up there. <laughs> yeah, he's having to play center on occasion or power forward, even shooting forward. Uh, but he's been doing it great. Yes, I, I, I'll i add that in there too, Tara. He has been terrific.
0: And I think a lot of it is because we haven't had Ed, and so that's given, yes. um, you know, more put more on Aminu's shoulders. But he's really uh, handled it well. What do you think, Ashley? Yeah, I like Aminu a lot.
1: I think that, I know, I think it's funny because I think last time we spoke, we talked about this a little bit because you were upset how... I mean, some people, I guess, in the league or the media who cover the league think that he's useless and, you know, you should be freaked out every time he touches the ball. But Zach Lowe. I think he's so valuable.
0: <laughs> I'm going to write a strongly worded email to Zach Lowe and ask and, and tell him what I think about him saying that he doesn't like Alfred Camino's pointy elbowed jump shot. But no, I think I think um, that's one of the things that that makes the game enjoyable, makes the season fun, is when um, when you see players yeah. um, you know play outside of themselves or just play differently than expected. You know, I was thinking about it this morning, and uh, some teams, I think. Their seasons are just like, um, like a race, like a you know when you go to the amusement yeah. park and it's like a go kart race and you just get in the go kart and you just go and go and go and until you get to the finish line first and that is like you know the team from the Bay Area the teams who just you know even though they have injuries and have things that they um, that are are risk to them presented throughout the season they still just move charge straight forward ahead and they're just going to get there first and then there's teams like the Blazers and they're more like the you know the rickety old beloved um roller coaster That like, you know, intellectually got to be safe, because otherwise they wouldn't let you jump on it. But in the back of your mind, like, oh, man, this whole thing could just fall apart at any time. And that's kind of what I feel like uh, watching the Blazers is, it's like, you know, we love it, but we know we're going to be in for a ride, there's going to be ups and downs. And it's not going to be a matter of just making it to the finish line, it's going to be like surviving till the end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like that let's move on to um, the let's let's look at the future and you know the the blazers have three draft picks and we just got done with the NCAA tournament there were a lot of people playing in the NCAA tournament that the blazers might have their eye on but before players even go to college, We know that they're playing in high school and there's several showcase games for high school players. And one of them that happens right here in Portland every year, the Nike hoop summit. So Ashley, I know that you have been covering it this year and I would love to hear about uh, what you are learning about some of the players who are now high school seniors getting ready to go into college who are going to be playing in the Nike hoop summit game this year.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: this is my
1: third time covering this event and It's one of my favorite events and the game. So basically they practice all week. They play a game at the end of the week. Um, But the game is not even the best part. The best part is being at the practices, seeing these players, getting to know them, seeing how they work in that environment, but also speaking with them and just like getting to know them as people as well. So, yeah, it's, it's my it's definitely my favorite event. It's been really fun this time around um and the game so the game's actually tonight it typically is on a saturday afternoon before a blazer game but they decided to do it for a friday night so i'm excited to see the turnout tonight
0: for the players who come in the can you um talk a little bit about what the format of the hoop summit is for people who don't know about it
1: yeah absolutely so it's the usa youth 19 under team so there's 12 players who are selected throughout the United States to represent the United States um, on this team. And a lot of them have been playing for a while. So they played on the 17s, the 15s. Um, So they've been in the loop for a while. And then, of course, on the other side, it's the World Select team. And, you know, it's teams, players from all over the country. And this year, it's kind of funny. There's five Canadian players. I was like, Wow, look at this Canadian pipeline. Yeah. yeah, and the coach is from Canada as well. So but yeah, there's uh from Canada, from Jamaica, from uh let's see to this year, Spain, Australia. So they're really all over and
0: it's
2: Lithuania.
1: Yeah, it changes every year, so it's really it's really exciting. It really is.
0: So, Sean, I know that you call high school games, and I, yes. don't, I don't know if you've ever called a game that had a hoop-summit-bound player in it, but I know that um, college or high school ball looks different from college ball, which looks different from NBA. What should people watch for when they're watching high school games? How is watching a high school game different than watching one of the higher-level games?
2: Well, high school games aren't televised, except if it's for the state championship. That's one. Two, in terms of the hoop summit overall, you have the dynamics between the American style game versus the international based type game. And this is where it intertwines itself. Yeah, you're seeing the best high schoolers from one side, you know, compete for a championship for pride and everything. And the hoop summit, it's similar to the same thing, pride, but it's more for the scouts and for the people to see, you know how these athletes are in terms of style. Are they going to be a post up player? Are they going to be a pass first big man? All that type of stuff. There's so many dynamics. It's also kind of fresh. It's one of the most interesting uh, things, uh, events rather, that people are going to see every year um, in the Hoop Summit. No doubt about it.
0: So I um, I got two follow-up questions. One, I think it's uh, interesting what you say about um, how you're really seeing uh, this, the scouts are looking and trying to figure out what kind of a style a player might develop in. Because I hadn't really thought about the fact that, you know, players uh, end up like in the NBA known as a specific style or whatever. But that had to start somewhere. And so it sounds like you're saying that, you know, in high school, this this game is, is a chance for scouts to look – at players and kind of determine this this player looks like they might be built for it or have the you know the um uh the instincts for a certain type of of uh play and so the hoops sounds like a hoop summit is a go- good place to look for that kind of thing
2: correct yes without a doubt and, and it has to be i think the biggest oh sorry i was gonna say yeah and it has to be in that uh right style Uh, for the player to fit into the college's system. Kentucky, Duke, the Pac-12, all those teams, no doubt.
1: What were you going to say, Ashley? I think the biggest, a lot of people ask me, you know, what's the difference between high school and college and NBA? And I think the biggest difference is high school, it's more of a player-oriented play because you kind of get the players and then you have to work with who you have to get where you want to be as opposed to college. is like you choose a college because the coach, because the team, because the style and the, I guess, just the brand and how they run everything. So, that's the biggest difference for me when you just watch a raw high school team mm-hmm. as opposed to like a college team. It's a system, and you know how it's gonna be run.
0: So when you uh, when they show up for the Nike Hoop it's Hoop Summit, though, they don't play together. So that's a little bit more of a opportunity to like see how uh, they gel when they're not around their regular play right. with with their regular players. That's an interesting distinction. Um, I want to go back to one more thing that Sean said. When you talked about the American style versus, versus the international style, I don't really know that much about the difference between those two different styles, so what should I watch for?
2: Well, for especially international, for what I watched in 2012, I believe, uh, when I saw Sebastian Mohammed play and all of those guys, granted they're USA, I get it, Wiggins and stuff, look for something that you don't see in American ball, and that's kind of like the flashiness, the passing for the point guards, they aren't the standard prototype American where they just, you know, bounce past a ball and that type of stuff. They take a little bit more flair into the game. That's my take on it, like Ricky Rubio of all people. You know, he's not there just to, you know, dribble a ball and pass. He likes to have a little bit of flair in there. And for the big man in the post, the centers are power forwards. Look for them to... um to spark up a variety of moves to elude the defenders in the paint, whether it be a fake with the right hand here or anything like that. uh, It's very interesting to see uh, the international players uh, play in a unique way uh, in their native land than it is in America.
0: Interesting. So there might be a little bit of flair to the international style. Yes. So I was looking at the alumni for the Nike hoop summit and it looks like, and this is just—I mean—that these are going to be the best of the best at the Hoop Summit. So, if everyone, anyone's like on the fence about whether or not to go, th- these are going to be the the top of um, you know the top of their class. And it, 189 former USA and World Select Team members have been drafted by NBA teams. There were 11 mm-hmm. players alone in the 19, or 2016 draft, and 13 players in 2015. Mm-hmm. Ten hoop summit alumni have been chosen number one. So likely, or, well, I don't know. Do they? Is there anybody on? Well, I guess. Well, we're looking at high school players, so then they're going to have to still. The American teams will still have to go on and play one year, so it'll be one year more removed before at least before they go into the draft. So, um, but yeah, ten hoop summit alumni have been chosen number one. Yeah,
1: for the for the USA team, uh, but then the world team. Some of these guys are going to be in the draft this year.
0: Oh, true. Do you know any for sure yet, or have they are are they able to say for sure yet on the world team? Are they well? Able- you know, you automatically know
1: because some of them had have already been playing professional overseas. So once you play professional overseas, you can't play NCAA. Okay. So- um. So some of them, some of them, they might just you know continue to play that one more year, or some of them will declare for the draft. There's actually one guy, um, Isaiah Hermestein, in. He's, I wouldn't say projected, but he's projected to be taken by the Blazers. So
0: uh, he had a lot oh. of interests. Isaiah Hermestein. Hmm. Do you know where he's from? Is he from Germany <laughs> or somewhere in Europe? Yeah. Okay. He's
1: from Germ. He's from Germany. It's interesting because he actually was born in Eugene.
0: So he's
2: like yeah. a hometown
1: boy. And his dad played for University of Oregon. That's why. Well, I'm going to go yeah. look him up.
2: He's seven one two, well, almost yeah, so, 250.
1: Holy Moses. Yep so
0: we'll watch for him
1: he was he's interesting one um I, he had a lot of buzz around him
0: no uh, ashley you got to talk to some of the players uh, as they were practicing and stuff uh, yeah. leading up to the game who were some of the other players that you talked to or who were some of the players that you talked to
1: um i've talked to a lot of them so of course i had to talk to michael porter jr he's the number one player in the nation right now mm-hmm. um, and he was admitted to go to university of washington but, unfortunately, Coach Walmart was let go, and his dad actually happened to be on staff as the assistant. So they granted his release, and now he's actually going to Missouri.
0: And I believe he's originally from Missouri, is that right? He's from the Midwest.
1: Right? Yeah. I, he, so he moved to Washington for a year and is going right back. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Now, was he a senior this year? Yeah, he was a senior because he's he's going to Missouri next year, is that correct?
1: Yeah. In order for you to be on the USA team, you have to be a senior. Oh, okay. Who else did I speak to? I i mean, it's been everyone. Uh, one that I was really impressed with was Troy Brown Jr. He's, he's actually going to University of Oregon next year.
0: Oh, okay. So, Troy Brown Jr.
1: Yeah, he's going to U- University of Oregon. He's from Vegas.
0: Sean, I know that you had looked over the um, the the roster. Any other players yep. uh, jump out to you? Uh,
2: a couple guys standing out. There are a couple: Jaron Jackson um, Jr., uh, the son of former yeah. NBA uh, forward Jaron Jackson, who won a title with the Spurs back in '99. Uh, we already know about Michael uh, Porter, Gary Trent Jr., uh, another former kind of alum from. Former Trailblazer Gary Trent Sr., who played three years with the Trailblazers. I'm um, interested to see how he will fare.
0: That's cool. Jerry, Gary Trent's kids kind of play. That's cool. Now, remind me, did you, did Gary Trent play point guard? Do I have that right?
2: He, he played mainly uh, shooting guard, a hybrid, a power forward as well.
0: Okay, and what does his son play?
2: Yeah. He plays guard. He's 6'6", listed, 205.
1: Gary's- Gary's the guard. He's he's a really good shooter. Really good shooter.
0: Oh,
1: nice. Yeah, he's going to Duke. Yesterday when I was walking into the gym, um, it was raining. So I'm trying to, you know, hustle, get inside. And there's this, you know, really tall guy walking next to me. And he's like, are you from here? Because I knew my way around. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Are you just visiting? He's like, well, you know, I used to live here back in a couple of years ago. And, I was like, "Oh, why'd you move away?" He's like, "Oh, I was just working here." I was like, "Interesting, you know?" And he's like, "Yeah, my son's actually here playing. It's Jaron Jack. <laughs> How funny!" I was like, "I feel dumb. <laughs> I know who you are." So that was
0: you were talking to Jaron Jackson Senior. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, I used to live here. He's, it was a lot different back then." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's like a um, yeah understatement. Yeah, I used to work here. <laughs> like, oh really? Were you? You know, did you work out at this place? That's funny. Well, I looked a little bit into the yeah. history of the trailblazers at the Hoop Summit, and there's actually 22 yeah. current and former Blazers in the Hoop Summit. Can y'all name the four current Blazers who played at the Hoop Summit? Um, let me think about who's on the
2: roster. Uh, um, I'm sure Aminu was in there.
0: That's one
2: he
1: of them. Yep. Who? Alfarook Aminu. Yeah, Aminu. Um, I want to say Ed.
0: Yeah, they played in the same year.
1: Yeah, Ed, Aminu. Um. No.
0: So Noah Vonley played.
1: Yeah, Noah.
0: Yeah. And Myers Leonard was in it. Myers Leonard play- played. In oh the, yeah, Myers he Myers, the, was, the,
1: Myers was. Yeah,
0: he played in the hoop summit with Will Barton. So they 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 know they knew each other. From the Hoop Summit, and so did yeah. um, Aminu and Davis. I know one of the things that I think is so interesting about uh, the NBA right now, that's that's relevant to the Hoop Summit, is you know sometimes you hear uh, uh, players who were around the league twenty years ago, thirty years ago, they complain about how all the players are friends now and how they all get along and everything yeah. and you know it's it's because you know a lot of, a lot of it's because of this system and because they've uh, played each other they didn't start playing each other in college they actually started playing each other mo- much earlier and so now we have like a whole generation of players who are likely to have met each other multiple times on, on their way to the uh, to the NBA so like why not have them you know be friends as well as competitors it's like i don't think those two things are mutually exclusive right well Yeah, and you just see it. Like I said, a lot of them have been playing together for a long
1: time. And even the world guys, a lot of them play in the U.S. now at U.S. high schools. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's so closely knit and it's it's way closer than you think because you just you see the chemistry between the team, especially the U.S. team. You just see the chemistry, they're laughing, they're joking, mm-hmm. they're having a good time, but it's like they've played together before and they're going to see each other next year. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys are going to play together or play against each other. Mm-hmm. So,
0: Well, and they'll probably even see each other later on this uh, spring because aren't there a couple more other um, big name or you know, big high school player showcases that happen? There's the Jordan brand game. Has that already happened? Or is that yeah, later? we still
1: have the Jordan brand classic. Mm-hmm. A lot of these same guys will be selected for that.
0: So I had uh, a quick other couple of random observations about the uh, history of uh, trailblazers or former trailblazers in the Hoop Summit. There's a former trailblazer who holds the records for the most steals in the game for a world team player. So who do you think that might be in 2007? So this in 2007, this former Blazer holds the record for the most steals in the game for a World Team player with four steals. So the, your clues are a World Team player, and he played in 2007. Sean, do you have a guess? Oh,
2: I've got man. nothing. Uh, you said 2007. Yeah. Okay.
0: World Team player.
2: World team.
0: Yeah. Think well, somebody we recently uh, saw departed. Go-to. I'm sure. Yeah, recently, <laughs> recently went to a different team in the last two years.
2: All right. I, I'm pretty sure he's pretty long, pretty lanky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he was drafted by Portland probably the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, would it be Batum? It's, you got it. Yep. He made four steel. He holds the record for world team
0: player with four steals. Nicholas Batum in 2007. Let's mm. see. Anybody want to take a guess at some who some of the other um, players were who um, are not Blazers anymore, but who played in the Hoop Summit?
2: Who are not Blazers? Well, or no longer Blazers? No longer Blazers. Okay. Well, I can go back to 2000. There are two former Blazers who primarily played in the Jail Blazer era. Can you name the two?
0: In which game? Which year did they play?
2: 2000.
0: Um let's see. I think Zach Randolph was one of them. Correct? But um uh was was oh, Bonzi around that time?
2: No, he was in the league.
0: Oh, he was already playing at that time. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know who the other one is.
2: He's very controversial. Not uh, not to the point of Rashid, but. Oh, I was
0: going to say, I didn't think Rashid played in that. Um, no. Okay, give me some more hints.
2: He's a forward, shooting forward. Mm. He was drafted by the uh, Clippers.
0: Oh, oh, oh. Mm. Drafted by the Clippers. I don't know. I don't what mean. did
2: you say? I said uh, this player, along with Randolph, played in the year 2000 in the Nike Hoop Summit.
0: Mm-hmm. Randolph
2: was one former Blazer the other Darius was drafted miles. that is right miles he also played <laughs> yeah
0: i have to admit i uh, looked that one up <laughs> i got randolph left. had randolph, 24 oh, points didn't get there is miles
2: yep randolph had 24 points and miles had 15
0: wow who had 20 randolph had 24 points
2: yeah 24 points he shot 11 for 17
0: Dang. from
2: the field That's eight good. rebounds
0: so, of the current Blazers who played in the Hoop Summit, the uh, high the high scorer was Al Faruq Aminu. He had uh, he played nineteen minutes. He had ten points, five rebounds, three assists, three turnovers, <laughs> one block, and one steal. He had quite a night. He was very active in his nineteen minutes. Noah played nine but, minutes, yeah. uh, no points, one rebound, one assist. Myers played eight minutes, three points, one block, and Ed Davis played fifteen minutes, four points, five rebounds yeah, of the existing blazers. Alpha rook was the was the busiest.
2: I'm not surprised at the turnovers from a Mimu. I will say that,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, he takes chances. Uh, well, anything else you want to add about the hoop summit before we sign off?
1: Uh, I would say, honestly, the best part of it so far was the u s. team. They always scrimmaged like a kind of put together team of local people, um former players, oh, really. And yesterday, Steve. Yeah, and yesterday Steve Blake was playing in it, and I was so impressed, slash missed him, slash we should sign him.
0: <laughs> so he's back in town, and he, he played the game. looked great. How fun. Anybody else you can remember who was there in that game?
1: Steve Blake, um, he was, I mean, obviously the biggest name, mm-hmm. one. Uh, Brandon Roy was in the gym watching because okay. two of his players were playing, you know.
0: Oh, cool. Um,
1: let me think. Just local guys. Kamaka Hepa, he plays for Jefferson High School. Elijah Gonzalez, he was there. Uh, Roberto Giddens, just a bunch of local guys. It was really awesome to see. That's that's one of the best practices. It's so packed.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds neat. So, I mean, it sounds like the, the Hoop Summit is is really a summit and when you want to talk about like it goes days long there's lots of activities besides just the game it's not just a game it's it's about more than you know just the what however 40 minutes that they play on the court is that correct yeah Well, I want to thank you two for holding the fort down with me today in the absence of Jo. She will be back soon, but it is great to talk to the two of you. I appreciate uh, all the the thoughts, insights, and inside stories that you you brought today. Uh, Anybody want to add anything about the Blazers right now, or should we go ahead and just do your how people can find you and social media and find your work?
2: I'll I'll close things off, Tara, with the fact that uh, with what, three games left in the regular season, uh, Portland will make the playoffs.
0: You're putting it uh, out there that the, the Blazers are going to make it.
2: Yes, they will make the eighth seed. I really don't see Memphis losing any games going forward um, upcoming. I'd be shocked that they lose all three just so Portland can take the seventh seed and face the Spurs instead of the Warriors.
0: I, uh, Yeah. <laughs> how about you Ashley do you think the Blazers are gonna make it they're gonna hold on
1: yeah I think the Blazers will make the playoffs um I don't see why they wouldn't and they're playing so well right now people are skeptical about them making the playoffs and losing out or whatever but it's really it's fun you know what mm-hmm. I mean That's this is why they play this is why we watch so mm-hmm. I hope they do make the playoffs and I'll be right there at the game
0: Awesome. Well, I, you two have convinced me that they will make the playoffs. I really don't know. And my, I don't think my heart can really stand it if I, um, if I rely on it too much, but really I just want more basketball. I'm not ready for the yeah. season to be over. And to me, it all comes down to, we could possibly have at least four more games. <laughs> so I, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Well, once again, thank you both, both for joining me. Can you tell people how they can, uh, where they can find your stuff?
2: Yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter at the real SLP um, on Twitter. That's all you can do.
1: All right, thanks, Ashley. I have Twitter, Instagram, YouTube channel. Uh, Twitter at Williams If you want to find my work, you can always look on YouTube. Ashley Williams as well.
0: I've been watching those videos that you produced from the hoop summit. They're really great, so I recommend people go check them out. And you can find me on Twitter at TCBBigs under Team Mom. And you can also, if you like this podcast, you can subscribe on Stitcher or iTunes, or you can find us on BlazersEdge.com, which is full of all kinds of up-to-date news and analysis about the Portland Trailblazers. So thanks a lot for joining us, and we'll talk to you later.